Welcome, dear listeners, to Saturn Speaks, a podcast about bringing spirituality down to earth. I am your host, Jessica Moore, and we are here for the third episode of Saturn Speaks. Today we are going to be talking about toxic positivity. That is something that is widespread. It's a big topic. Um, So bear with me today. It might go a little bit longer than the other episodes, but I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, before we begin, I'll just say the invocation of this podcast. May what needs to be said be said, and what needs to be heard be heard, and may this sharing and receiving benefit all of life. All right, let's jump in. So I want to be clear from the beginning that I'm not saying that all positivity is bad or that being positive isn't inherently itself a problem. Positive thinking is important for our mental and emotional health. I think this has been widely documented. It's definitely out there ad nauseum. We keep hearing about this. There is something to that. And that's not a bad thing to be sharing with people in and of itself, but it's where it goes to an excessive place and how it is used in new age spirituality and self-help world in general in a way that is really unhelpful and problematic because of how it gets overused and taken to the extreme. So I use the term toxic positivity to differentiate between having a healthy amount of positivity in our inner life, which helps us to enjoy life and have a good mental health and emotional health. And to differentiate between that and the spiritual idea that only positivity is ever acceptable and that we have to be positive at all times or really bad things will happen, (laughs) basically. I also like the term light supremacy because I feel like that term also captures that idea that positivity equal equaling good and negativity equaling bad of how that is a hierarchy once again as we've been talking about so far on this podcast and i would say that negativity is equally important it just again needs to be balanced everything needs to be balanced to be healthy so in the sense of planning for potential problems You know, negativity is what allows us to think of what might go wrong and then do what is needed to make sure that doesn't happen, which is a really good thing. It's that's the reason why we wear seatbelts is, you know, that that aspect of pessimism that isn't extreme, but just moderate and healthy. It's also recognizing what isn't working in a situation, being willing to be critical about something and I feel like all of that is important because that's essential in making things better. If we don't even, aren't even willing to admit that something is a problem, then how can we possibly work to improve anything? If we don't have that healthy negativity, which is really realism is how I would put it, but realism is on that negativity side of the scale when it comes to negativity and positivity. And you can see how that idea, the word negativity, automatically makes us think that this is a bad thing. 
because, you know, negative equals bad in our language. And so using the word negativity or using the word positivity, I should say, automatically sets up a situation where a certain mindset like optimism or uh, like seeing only the good in things, focusing on how things are going right, but then ignoring how things are going wrong, how, how that's always how we want to be because it's positive, i.e. good. So I see negativity or that realism as being essential in critical thinking. It's how we are able to recognize when uh, something that we hear doesn't add up, when a story doesn't add up, where, where there's logical fallacies, where there's inconsistencies, and basically call bullshit on things. If we're only positive and we refuse to see anything but the positive in any situation, then we become extremely gullible. We, we automatically will believe everything we're told by anyone without that healthy inner skeptic in the, in that ability to go, hmm, or the willingness to go, I don't really think that is right. You know, I don't think that adds up. And that's being quote unquote negative. This also relates to the title of this podcast of Saturn Speaks, because optimism really is a function of Jupiter, that archetype of expanding our perception of what's possible, overcoming limitations, feeling good in general. All of those things are wonderful and we all love Jupiter, but that aspects of pessimism, of being realistic, grounding ideas into reality, managing expectations, being honest about what is possible and what isn't in any given moment, recognizing and honoring our boundaries and limitations, that's all Saturn. And both are equally important. Both balance each other in the world and keep us balanced as healthy human beings. So demonizing pessimism is just another example of demonizing Saturn and the yin in general. I kind of, I feel like there's a saying that kind of encapsulates that, that I really like. It's the saying, hope for the best and plan for the worst, that really encapsulates how we need both the yin and the yang. And I really appreciate that because we need to stop demonizing the yin and stop putting this whole half of every half of the spectrum into the shadow, basically. So toxic positivity, unfortunately, does just that. It creates a lot of shadow and a lot of toxicity in ourselves and in the world around us. It leads to uncritical acceptance, ignoring problems. It leads to a lack of discernment like not able to discern between like one thing being uh, more helpful than another, something being true or not, even just discernment in the sense of what is right for us in the moment. Uh, if we accept everything equally, then how do we choose? And I'll be going a lot more in depth in that in a moment. Uh, it, but toxic positivity also leads to emotional repression it leads to an unhealthy psyche in general, which I'll also dive more into because I feel like that's really important. How when we deny so many of our emotions, it actually creates a lot of imbalance and a lot of dysfunction in our emotional life, in our emotional expression within ourselves. And toxic positivity ultimately leads us to victim blaming, 
and spiritual bypass. And I'll go explain that more right now. So the philosophy of toxic positivity really goes something like this, that everything that happens to you is a result of your vibration. That's encapsulated in this quote here, this meme that I found. Gosh, this stuff just, just pops up all over the place. I can't like help but just see this everywhere. It's, it's, um, it's very prevalent, these kinds of sayings. This one was, negativity can only affect you if you're on the same frequency. Vibrate higher. It's so if you are experiencing something that you would consider negative in your life, it's because you're not vibrating at a high enough frequency. <laughs> That's the how the philosophy goes. It also says that what happens in your life is entirely determined by your beliefs and your attitude. So, for example, if you believe you are unsafe, then you are unsafe. And you are only unsafe if you believe that you're unsafe because your beliefs create reality. So if you truly believe that you are always safe in the world, then you won't ever be unsafe. You won't ever have anything dangerous happen to you, for example. Uh, there's also the having the right attitude toward life. How do I put this? So if you are not happy with something in your life, if something is making you feel down, the problem isn't in anything about the external situation. It The problem is only in how you are reacting to it. So in other words, we can just choose to react to be happy, essentially, with everything that happens in our life. And if anything that happens in our life makes us feel sad or scared or upset or angry, that is just on us. And we just need to change our response to it. This is basically what this says. I mean, it even goes so far as to say that these things won't happen to you. Like you can just remain unaffected and nothing bad will happen to you as long as you control your attitude in this way. An another quote here by some guy named Brahma Kumaris says, During times of global transition, don't take things personally and you will remain unaffected. So if you know, someone was at work and their boss decided to fire them. If they just didn't take it personally, then it wouldn't affect their life in any way. It's basically what this is saying. So it kind of, it's, it's taking these things that have roots in truth and to such an extreme that it just make, turns into nonsense. The philosophy of toxic positivity also goes along the lines of there's never a need to respond to any situation with an emotion other than peace and love. So basically, because the problem is never out there in the world, that there isn't anything that's truly bad that happens in the world, it's all perfect, that therefore, if we're troubled by a situation, that's only the fault of our own reaction. And so we have the ability to, it presumes the, that we have the ability to only respond to peace and love with peace and love in every situation. Another quote that describes this by Brahma Kumaris again, he seems to create a lot of these, is no situations, people, or event creates the emotion of stress, fear, and anxiety, but stress is present in our reaction to the situation. Similarly, 
peace, freshness, and joy is present in our accurate response to every situation. So, first of all, the only accurate response is going to be peace, freshness, and joy. Also, no situations ever cause a stress, fear, or anxiety. That's just us in our problematic reaction to it. And that presumes that we can control our reactions to all situations and just simply choose to feel peace, love, and joy whenever we want. So this philosophy means that we can't ever feel anything but peace, love, and joy because any other emotion is negative and therefore what we feel is what we'll attract more of. So feeling something negative means we attract bad situations in our life. So the way to control your life so your life is perfect is to only ever feel peace, love, and joy is basically how that philosophy goes. It also says... (laughs) Well, this is what I have gained from talking with people about this and what they've basically told me about how this mindset works. So I'm not totally making this up. This is coming from real people that I had conversations with even just on Thanksgiving, (laughs) a big Thanksgiving gathering. It was um, really interesting to dive into some of this with, with these people that create, that really have a very well honed logical framework for this. So I'm really kind of um, teasing it apart right here, attempting to. Another thing that goes along with this mentality of staying positive all the time is that everything that ever happens is perfect no matter what, because everything is divine, because everything is just you. If anyone hurts you, it's just you hurting yourself. So that goes hand in hand with the idea that we are the complete creators of our own reality. And other people really have no agency of their own because if they're doing something to us, it's really just us doing it to ourselves because they are us. So this philosophy doesn't recognize the difference between people or the separation between people. It takes that idea of connectedness to such an extreme that all boundaries between people are just completely gone in this philosophy. It also implies that other people aren't ever responsible for their harmful actions because everyone is all just you. So the responsibility is only on you. So if something bad happens to you, it's entirely your own fault. I mean, this is empowering in the sense that we do attract certain situations in the sense that if we have a trigger, life will tend to reflect that situation that to, to trigger us until that is healed. So if we want to stop getting triggered all the time, we can do the healing and that will change our life. So there is some truth to this and it can be empowering, but you have to use it carefully. You can't take it to this extreme where other people have no responsibility and the responsibility is 100% on you. To me, that's that's an extreme that essentially leads to victim blaming because like if someone gets attacked, violently attacked, well, they called it in. So it's all on them and it lets perpetrators and abusers entirely off the hook. It even means that saying like things like the genocide of Native Americans, the Holocaust, 
slavery, all of these horrible things that humans have done to other humans, that it's not really the fault of the people who did those things. It's the fault of the people who suffered because they are the ones who created their own suffering. That's the logic of this philosophy. You can't get around that. The only way you can get around that is by saying, well, taking this philosophy to that extreme is not true. So like I was saying, like that's, that's an extreme. It doesn't actually work like that. You have to reject the extremity of this unless you are going to claim that the genocide of like the Native Americans was the Native Americans' own fault. And I feel like the people who believe this are really well-intentioned. They're not bad people, but their beliefs end up supporting abusers and reinforcing systems of oppression in the world. It's almost always white people who hold these beliefs because they live in a bubble of privilege that they are blind to, so they assume that their bubble of privilege applies to everyone else. They assume that the life that they experience that often, that, that doesn't include a lot of oppression, <laughs> a lot of that systemic problems, is the experience that everyone else has. And often these are not just white people, but they are people who live separate from what most people have to deal with in modern society. They're usually people that don't work regular nine to five jobs or shitty service jobs. They're usually people that live in places like where I live and the people I talk to like this in Sedona, a gorgeous tourist place that everyone wants to live. You know, there are people that have stepped out of society or been able to step out of society enough to where they have basically created a lovely life that's like stress-free and therefore they can um, they can now assert this without realizing that most people don't live like that. Most people don't live the life they live. It's also, you know, a lot of the big influencers, the people that spread the stuff all over social media, not necessarily my friends here in Sedona, who are largely hippies that don't really spend much time online and don't have big platforms for the most part. But the the people that are more wealthy, these big influencers who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because of their influence and their privilege, they then can tell everyone that you just need to think differently and you're, you can create this kind of life that I have too. And that's complete bullshit. I get the, the empowering piece of it in the sense that if being a victim becomes a permanent part of your identity, that is actually really disempowering to identify with being a victim in the world. And so, yes, it's true that we shouldn't act like victims, that we should take responsibility for our lives, but we need to recognize that other people are equally responsible for co-creating the reality that we all experience, the shared reality that we all experience. We It is not just us because all the other people in the world aren't just figments of my imagination. They're not just aspects of my own mind. They are independent, autonomous human beings with their own power and agency. And the idea that there's no such thing as victims ever in any situation and that 
someone is creating their own reality if they are being abused, for example, that's exactly what abusers want their victims to think. Because the fact is that in specific situations of abuses of power, some people are the abusers and other people are the abused. It's all situational. Not everyone is equally responsible for everything that happens in the world. It is totally fine to hold people accountable for their own actions. It's actually really important to do that. And for people to not take accountability for the actions of others, that is just so, that's something that people who are the victims of abuse, they already do that. They already take on way too much responsibility for what is happening to them. And they need to stop doing that. You know, telling them that they are completely responsible for everything that happens to them only compounds the problem, makes it so much worse. <laughs> so, and it doesn't even help the abusers themselves to let them off the hook because I don't believe that it really helps anyone to give them a pass when they have done something wrong. Holding people accountable or being held accountable is how we learn. It's how we grow. And when other people just act like everything we do is fine and perfect and we can't do ever anything wrong, we become really pathological and then we become really toxic people in the world. That's how narcissism is created. Or one way. So yeah, that's just, it's just a whole lot of problems with that. And that's only one way that toxic positivity creates problems. It also creates severe emotional repression in spiritual bypass because the idea that our thoughts create reality and therefore we need to always stay positive. Therefore, we must avoid all natural human emotions other than peace, love, happiness, and joy, like at all costs, because if we don't avoid those other emotions, we will create things in our life that will really suck. And so it's basically saying that it's good to repress, deny, and avoid most of our emotions. And not just good, but that we have to do it if we are going to create the kind of reality or life for ourselves that we want. And avoiding and repressing and denying our emotions is the opposite of emotional intelligence. This perpetuates all the problematic cultural problems of repression and denial that we've seen through the centuries that we grew up with that those toxic dysfunctional patterns in our families where when people are upset they won't ever really say anything they just stew and find little ways to get back at each other and there's just all this underlying resentment and you know all that crap <laughs> that we have probably most of us have grown up with and seen in our parents or our grandparents that is perpetuated by this mindset of toxic positivity it's like the same old attitude of just always put on a smile of hiding your problems from the world it's just that a repeat of those old cultural patterns and beliefs it repackaged in fancy new age spiritual clothing of now you do that same repression and all those same patterns of behavior but now when you do it, you are a high vibe, highly advanced spiritual person who's going to ascend into 5D. So there we go. <laughs> and if feeling anything but happiness is peace is happiness and peace 
is not okay, then whenever we feel these other emotions, then there, like the logic of that is that we have to do whatever it takes to return to the feelings that are okay as soon as possible. So whatever tools or methods that we have or coping strategies that we have to dissociate and connect, disconnect, I mean, from those negative emotions becomes the thing that we do. It becomes the tools that we rely on in our everyday life to constantly maintain this inner state of equanimity, of contentment, of, you know, peace and just unconditional love. And that means that our entire spiritual practice then becomes an exercise in spiritual bypass. Because if all we're doing with our spiritual practices is avoiding any difficult emotions like anger, fear, anxiety, shame, feeling guilty, yeah, anything, depression, anything that's not these so-called positive emotions or being positive, then that's like literally the definition of spiritual bypass. <laughs> so our entire spirituality becomes that. And it reinforces itself because saying that any criticism is being negative and negativity is bad, that that means that we are only wanting to hear positive reinforcement. And yes, positive reinforcement makes us feel good. That's normal. Of course, we, we want and we need positive reinforcement. Everyone needs that. But we also need healthy criticism. We need people to point out when our behavior is not okay or when we make a mistake or even just areas that we can improve. Having that reflection from the people around us is so valuable. If we are truly interested in growing as people, we need that. And so this idea that criticism is negativity and that we only want to hear positive reinforcement from people, it allows our spiritual bypass to continue completely unquestioned. And it allows us to avoid any of the discomfort of the emotions that come up when people tell us, hey, yeah, that song that you wrote that you're really proud of and that you love, I'm not, it's not quite doing it for me. Like maybe, you know, it still needs some work. And that doesn't necessarily feel good. It's not what we want to hear. And so basically having a mindset that anyone who is negative around me, I'm just going to cut out of my life and those people are being toxic, which I hear all over the place on social media, cut out the, the toxic people in your life. That means that we are basically just want to spiritual bypass everything, that we never want to feel any uncomfortable emotions. And it allows us to avoid the cognitive dissonance of having ever having someone call out our actual spiritual bypass itself. So we don't even know that we're spiritual bypassing. We think that we're just doing good spirituality and that we're doing all the right things and that we are going to ascend and that we're a high vibe person and we're full of love and light and a light worker. And we don't even realize where we are falling short in our own stated goals of transforming and growing and becoming a better person and doing the healing work that we claim or think that we're doing. We never, if we never hear that reflection that actually that 
thing you're doing is spiritual bypass, we can end up spiritual bypassing for the rest of our life and get nowhere on our path thinking the whole time that we are doing exact, that we're becoming enlightened. So there's a real cognitive dissonance there that we need to face if we're going to be honest. Like, are we really healing? Are we really transforming? Or are we just bypassing? Those are real big questions that we need to be facing in New Age spirituality today because there's a lot of the latter going on and not enough of the former and too much of people thinking they're doing the former and actually doing the latter. And we, the world needs us to heal. The world needs us to grow and become better humans. And when all we do is dissociate and create shadow instead and be are blind to our own toxicity, that doesn't help. It only makes things worse. So I'm going to be talking about that in future episodes. Uh, of course, <laughs> the difference between healing and dissociating and real transformation or just temporary change, just returning to stasis, how that's not really transforming. Anyway, we'll get into that later. But right now, um, I'd like to talk more about the impact of being positive, of being only positive on our ability to discern. And because I really see how that is a problem in the world today as well, of a big lack of discernment in modern day spirituality, just causing a lot of people to end up giving money to teachers that don't deserve it, putting people on pedestals who are really problematic, ascribing to belief systems that are manifesting some really not great things in the world. And all of that comes down to discernment. And so the idea that if everything is equally perfect and we constantly strive for unconditional acceptance, we are basically saying that we have no preferences. Because how can we possibly choose what's right for us if we aren't willing to say no to certain things? Because using our free will means that we need to choose in each moment. Like we need to choose what to move towards, what to move away from. And that choosing is what it means to use our power in the world. So we need to be able to discern what to choose, where to go, where not to go. So there's often a way that people, in their attempt to step out of that mindset of good and evil, the lie of separation or the lie of antagonistic duality, in their attempt to step out of that, they conflate that recognizing of the oneness and interconnectedness of all things with the idea that everything is equally good, that everything is just perfect and we just need to accept all of it. The idea essentially that we can't discern, that we can't say no to anything. And that stepping out of this mindset of good and evil doesn't mean that some things aren't better or worse in any particular moment. This is the idea that anything that causes separation is bad and only connection is good. So the only right movement is to move towards something. But there's a lot of situations that we need to say no to. There's a lot of things that we should not move towards for our own health and well-being. And so it's also just not even physically possible. You can't 
physically in the world move towards something without moving away from something else. Like we can't do all the things in our life. We can't go everywhere in our life in one each moment. We have to choose where to go, which implies saying yes to something and no to something else. And so demonizing all the forms of separation of saying no to things that means demonizing boundaries because boundaries create separation by definition. And that's really unhealthy. It's also not possible. So it's a really silly idea to even try to achieve because when we feel empowered to say no, then we can truly say yes to what's right for us. So what's healthy in the world is to have healthy boundaries, to know what we're choosing, to have that clarity and essentially have a dance of connection and separation happening within us in each moment that we're with every separation that we create, we create an opportunity to create connection essentially, or move towards something else. So if we are separating from a friend temporarily and saying, Hey, I have to go home now, or I can't hang out tonight, we are creating an opportunity to connect deeper with ourselves by being alone. So there's all these yin and yang dances happening throughout life of hermit and lover, you know, the, it's just countless. We literally can't have discernment if we are unconditionally accepting of everything. Because it's about deciding, discernment is about deciding what we want, what we don't want, what we agree with, what we don't agree with what is helpful for us and what isn't, what we like and what we don't like. So if we're unconditionally accepting and everything's equal, we can't discern anything. We can't even have personal preferences. It's an example of a really nice idea that just doesn't match reality. And I mean, I like to use the example of reviews of products and services that we refer to reviews because they help us choose which product or service is best for us. They're really useful. Everyone uses them. And this is an example of how discernment helps us to choose because we can read the reviews, hear what people have to say, and then have a much more informed uh, decision that we can make about what to buy, what to spend our money on, what to choose for us, what to move towards. And so if the majority of people who buy something have a bad experience with it, but if the only people who leave a review are the few who had a great experience with that, then every future buyer would be misled because they're not getting the full picture. They're not getting all the honesty of what's happening because a lot of people are choosing not to speak up. And so this is what it means to say that if you don't have something positive to say, don't say anything at all. That only positivity is allowed, only positive reinforcement. That criticism or saying something bad about something, like I really didn't like this thing or it, it failed me in some way, it didn't come as advertised, etc. That that is negative. And if we can't share that, then how are other people going to be able to make an informed decision? How are they going to be able to discern? This is even more important when it comes to spiritual teachings and spiritual teachers, because only by allowing ourselves to speak when we have something positive to say, 
that gives spiritual cults free reign to operate without restraint in a subculture that is already not known for having very good discernment. <laughs> so this is just making everything so much worse. So this idea that people shouldn't ever be critical and that you shouldn't say anything negative, like just don't comment, just scroll on by if you don't have something nice to say. That's a way of silencing people. It ensures that grifters and abusers and bad actors are ne never held accountable. It also, I mean, it even just allows just simply bad products to continue to be, you know, bought by everyone. It also keeps people isolated when they have an experience. And this is really the case when we're talking about bad experience with, experiences with spiritual teachers and people who've actually experienced abuse or violations, that if they can't share their experiences and find out that they're not alone, they feel isolated. And that's not healthy. That's just makes the, the harm that they experience. It's like adding to it. I mean, I could use the example of here in Sedona, there was a popular charismatic guru, a young guy called Bentiho ben Massaro. He had a cultish following, a lot of people who really loved him, who really put him on a pedestal. He's not a bad guy, but definitely had that charismatic and kind of took advantage of that. Like, you know, had, had slept around a lot and all of that. He recently got exposed when a follower of his, well, recently, as in a couple of years ago, when a follower of his committed suicide because of his teachings, because he would say things like, you know, the other side is wonderful and better than here. And he, a lot of the stuff he said could be taken as encouragement to basically just commit suicide if you already had suicidal feelings. And someone did. They were a devoted followers of his and had, you know, depression or stuff going on in, in his life. And he ended up killing himself. So that was a good example of that. He had this big following because of people's lack of discernment, because people weren't criticizing him and calling him out for beliefs that could potentially be harmful to people. Because if you think about it, if everyone who doesn't feel that a spiritual teacher deserves the trust and thus the power that people grant them, if they, if those people who don't believe that they deserve that choose to turn the other cheek and say nothing, then there will be no voices out there except for people, for people to listen to, except for these spiritual teachers, except for these gurus. They're the only voices that get listened to because anyone else who says anything different or contradictory doesn't get allowed to say anything or chooses not to say anything. And honestly, I feel like that's the reason why he gained so much power and influence in the first place, that either people jumped on the bandwagon or, or they chose to ignore him, but no one was really willing to be negative, quote unquote, and be critical of him, especially here in Sedona where you know, positivity is the law of the land, essentially. Yeah, there was one one quote I'd like to share by a woman who was talking about this, this case around Bentiho. It's hard to say his name. She's a local person here in Sedona that she said, let's say he is a simply attempting to do good and lead others to a good place and feels he is correct in doing so. 
If I read his words and watch his videos and feel he is incorrect on some major points, wouldn't it make sense to say something? If a man was leading a group of people down a path that led to a sheer cliff, wouldn't I say something? Isn't my speaking up an act of service to others being led astray? How is it negative or judging? Why is his leading correct, but my correction of his leading wrong? Yes, we all react to the accusations of sex and money, etc. But if the one reacting is reacting out of previous experience, why should they be silent? When does the humanity, the service to others, kick in? I just felt like that was really good and I had to save it. And I also would like to share a quote from my teacher, my shamanic teacher, Christina Pratt. And this just, it comes up a lot in my life. And I feel like it's a really helpful mantra to live by or reminder, to be honest. And what she says is, niceness is what people do when they don't have the courage to be honest. So I'd also like to share a bit about positive affirmations as an aspect of this toxic positivity. And I feel like while mantras and affirmations can be very powerful, and I wouldn't say not to use them at all, but I would say to stay away from affirmations unless they are already true or true in in a deeper sense, like I am a being worthy of love. Like that is true on that cosmic big sense of me being worthy of love. So that is totally fine to say that. But positive affirmations are often used as a popular form of spiritual bypass in a way of attempting to make everything in our life how we want it to be just by saying that it's so. But if it isn't like, if it isn't happening and we're just going to declare that something's happening, like I am wealthy. It's essentially like, like saying I have a million dollars, but if we don't already have a million dollars and we say we're having a million dollars, the problem with that fake it till you make it tactic when you're talking about affirmations in particular is that it damages our relationship with truth, with the essence energy of truth. And it damages our ability to discern truth within ourselves. Because when we say something as if it is true when it currently isn't, and this is especially true when it comes to talking about our emotions and our feelings that are transitory. So if we have an affirmation like, I am happy, and we repeat that when we're actually feeling really depressed and sad, or another example would be, I feel loved when I actually feel really rejected and hurt. When we say something as if it's true and it isn't, we are creating a split between our mind and our heart because they're not in alignment with the truth. They're not in alignment with each other. Our heart feels one thing and our mind is saying that we're feeling a different thing. And that's really easy to do when affirmations are about how we feel. So our mind can say what it wants, what we consciously want to feel all at once. And the mind can even believe it, but the heart knows what we're feeling deep inside regardless. And we can deny that, but the heart still knows it has its own wisdom. Those feelings that we're feeling are real and they don't go away just because we say, go away. I want to stop feeling that. So this form of affirmation essentially causes us to dissociate from ourselves and to dishonor our authentic emotions and what we feel in our body. And unfortunately, 
that connection between the heart and the mind and the belly, the gut, that connection between those three is what allows us to discern the truth. There's a Qigong practice of bringing those into alignment. There's actually many forms that probably do this, but the the Qigong principle of bringing those into alignment and into alignment with the cosmic sources of truth of the yang above and the yin below. And that Qigong practice or the Qigong principle of doing that in practice, the purpose of it is so that we can align ourselves with the truth and clarify our intuitive centers and bring them into alignment with big cosmic capital T truth. So over time, using the kind of affirmations that aren't true to our heart will damage our ability to discern truth in general because it's essentially training us to feel that something is true when it is not in alignment with all those intuitive centers. So it's essentially doing the exact opposite of those Qigong practices. So a far healthier practice would be to go within and work with our authentic emotions that we're actually feeling and discover why they have arisen, what's happening within ourselves, and and what is the message those emotions are bringing, and therefore, what do we need to change about our life? Like, what are those messengers revealing to us, our emotional wisdom body essentially revealing to us about how our life needs to change. And I would say that only when we are honest with ourselves and willing to work with what is with regard to our feelings and emotions, can we actually move forward effectively to where we want to go in our lives and improve our lives. So that's all I wanted to say for today. It was a lot. I hope you enjoyed this episode and If you feel moved by it in any way, please consider supporting this podcast in whatever way feels right to you. You can share it with your friends and family, shoot me an email with your feedback and ideas for future shows, and also follow the podcast on Twitter because I'm trying to build a little bit of a following at least and get this out there at least a little bit. And you can also go to the website to hear past episodes and to subscribe on whatever podcast app that you use. Um, And all of that helps this podcast to thrive and become even more rich. And I definitely love having this kind of conversation with anybody. So if anyone wants to talk with me about this, I will be so happy. Next week, I'll be talking about a very sticky subject that most people avoid, and that is politics. I won't actually be talking about specific politics, thank goodness, but I'll be talking about how politics and spirituality can't really be separated and how the idea or the goal of being apolitical isn't a reality that's more of a fantasy that our spiritual beliefs just like all of our beliefs have an impact in the world and that has an impact on politics because politics has an impact on the world so it's all interconnected so that's what i'll be talking about Uh, next week. And until then, stay awake, stay aware, and stay spiritually grounded. Love you all.